You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hi, everybody. This is Anthony Kastrovitz. I'm joined by Jordan Bastian and Kerry Muscat. We are here in Cleveland to preview the 2016 World Series between the Cleveland Indians and the Chicago Cubs. And who would have thought we'd be here? Uh, this is... <laughs> This is, we joked about this all year, Cubs-Indians, the two longest droughts in baseball, but we have actually made it. Kerry, I'll start with you. Uh, from the Cubs' perspective, obviously it's been 71 years since they even got to the World Series, uh, much less won one, 108 years since they last won one. How do you put into perspective uh, the, the long drought that could potentially end here? I think right now Cubs fans are, are giddy. I think that's the best word. Um, I want to make sure everyone's clear I did not cover the team in 1945, so <laughs> I've had that thrown at me driving around drove around Wrigley Field on Sunday after they'd clinched right. and it, people were just around there flocking to take photos of the marquee because this is NL Central champs and and it was just really it just was a really nice buzz and it's nice to see that these guys and all the hard work they put in has paid off it's interesting because uh, this was both expected and unexpected. I mean, right. this, this team yeah. was built to win, yeah. uh, and then did win 103 games, yeah. but we know sometimes that the best right. record doesn't always mean something in October, so yeah. they still, to, to get to this point, is, is very special, obviously. And and they know also that the best record, they, they've said that all along, is that even though they finished with the best record, they know that that means nothing. Right. You know, what they do in October is what's going to make this team stand out, and I think every, every player understands that, and I, I like that motivation. Jordan, how about uh, from the Indians' perspective, they have not won the World Series since 1948, have not been here since 1997. There's been a, a few heartbreaks uh, in this town over the years, but there was also a, a Cavs championship this right. summer that, that kind of changed uh, the outlook around here. But how do you put the uh, Indians' run into perspective? Yeah, I think what the Cavs championship did was sort of take the pressure off the Indians' shoulder to be the team that ends the drought. You know, now the city's sort of mentality has shifted from what's going to go wrong to maybe we actually can do this. And I think that that mentality, we've been able to sense that among the fan base over the last couple months. And I think the Indians have, they've been consistent all year and they've been underdogs all year and they've kind of embraced that role. They're gonna be underdogs again, even against a team that hasn't won in more than a century. Um, but I think they like that, they kind of embrace that. And I think it's just been fun to walk around downtown and kind of see some of the energy around here that a couple months ago, what, four or five months ago didn't exist. You know, everyone thought, what's going to go wrong next for the Cavs, what's going to go wrong next for the Indians. And this year, even with so many things that have gone wrong for the Indians, they're still here. And I think that's the incredible part of their story. Yeah, and they are the underdogs, as Sandy Alomar joked with us yesterday, Cleveland is never the overdog, uh, but we'll see how this shakes out. Uh, let's talk about the managers, because we got two game changers right here, and, and uh, I, I think it's fair to say, I mean, anytime a team gets a World Series, there's some love thrown the manager's way, but I think in this case, it's it's very legitimate that the, these guys change these clubhouses and these teams. Uh, Kerry, I'll start with you. Talk about Joe Madden's impact on, on this club. He came aboard a couple years ago, and uh, he's, he's lived up to the hype, no doubt. It's been one of the more interesting or two of the more interesting years I've ever had to cover, and I've been covering Cubs for a long time, uh, longer than Addison Russell's been alive, which he likes to point out to me. <laughs> um, you know, we've had live Cubby Bears brought into the ball, to the spring training. We've had the dress-ups. We've had the onesies. Uh, but what I like is that he's maintained this one game at a time, and as cliche as it sounds and as boring as it sounds, it's really the right approach for the kids to take. He's let the young players be themselves. He's let them just relax and play, and there are very few rules, uh, and I think a lot of the, 
what also has happened is that the older players have been the enforcers, if you will, you know, if there's any enforcing that's needed, and they keep an eye on the clubhouse. And it's just, you just never know what to expect next. You know, I mean, we've had pitchers in left field. We've had flamingos in the press room. I mean, I, I don't know what, what's go what he's got up his sleeve, but it should be interesting. Uh, when Terry Francona was hired in Boston, Joe Madden was one of the finalists yeah. for that job. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, Francona got it. They win two World Series titles in Boston. And then he comes to Cleveland, and that yeah. caught a lot of people off guard. But, um, of course, he has roots here with, with his dad, and, and he had roots to, uh, with, with the front office. And, again, talk about a game changer. Yeah, I mean, minus the live animals. Although they did have a chicken <laughs> in the outfield here a couple years ago. Um, it, it almost sounds like Kerry's describing Terry Francona. And my favorite example that I give people when they ask me just sort of what his personality is like, the first order of business he had when he came here was to knock a huge hole in the wall of his office because it was closed off from the rest of the clubhouse. And now there's this huge window there. And it serves as like the perfect metaphor for how he sort of tore down the wall between his office and the clubhouse and also between the clubhouse and the front office. Uh, we see front office members in the clubhouse all the time. They're very integrated into what's going on here. The players aren't raising eyebrows when, you know, a member of Chris Antonetti's staff is walking through. In fact, the players embrace it. You know, they want to lean on these guys. And the same thing with Terry Francona. You know, players are in and out of his office playing cribbage. Even on the day that Josh Tomlin was demoted from the rotation at the end of August, he went in and played cribbage with Francona after Francona delivered that hard news. And that kind of shows... He's been here for four years, and he's sort of earned the buy-in from his players who have seen the success, bought into the platoons, all the way he sort of pulls the levers and everything like that. They've bought into it, and without that buy-in, what they're doing right now doesn't happen. And I think, you know, those little insights kind of show the type of personality that he has. All right, let's dig into this series a little bit. Uh, Kerry, you had a nice piece on Cubs.com, what we've learned about the Cubs here uh, in this month of October. And one element of that is they had to get the offense going in that LCS round against the Dodgers. And, uh, you know, midway through that series, they did uh, amidst a lot of questions about, you know, where the O had gone. Uh, what was the difference maker for them in that regard? Uh, the difference is Matt Caesar, who's not even on the roster <laughs> because he loaned Anthony Rizzo one of his bats and then he loaned Addison Russell his leggings. There you go. And uh, it may not make sense to people, but somehow <laughs> it worked. And Rizzo hit a home run with one of Caesar's bats. And Russell hit a home run. And now Caesar, I think, probably has zero gear left because I know a lot of the players have gone in there. Uh, I think more realistically <laughs> is that they just, against Kershaw in the last game, they had a really a much better approach. They went back to what they usually do, which is uh, – wait for their pitch, be a little more patient at the plate, make him work. And they also knew him better. They had not faced Kershaw until the postseason. They, did, they hadn't seen him all season. So once they had a little better feel for him, I think that worked. But it's, uh, it's really Matt Caesar. Uh, we give him all the credit. <laughs> uh, and then Jordan, from the Indians' perspective, of yeah. course, you, you mentioned the adversity, and that hits the rotation, which lost uh, Carlos Carrasco and Danny Salazar in the last mm -hmm. month of the season. And they entered October without those guys. And then Trevor Bauer, uh, he bleeds all over the place in <laughs> Game 3 in, in Toronto in the ALCS. So uh, they've had to overcome a lot in that starting group. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of like we mentioned a second ago. As much has gone wrong, it has opened the door for something to go right. You know, Michael Brantley is lost for the year, and then Jose Ramirez emerges as a star this season. Uh, Carrasco and Salazar go down. Josh Tomlin gets another chance, is brilliant in September and October. And then Ryan Merritt, who nobody expected to even be on the roster, comes in and is now like a cult hero. Nobody knew his name a week ago, and now he can't walk through Cleveland without signing autographs. Uh, so it's for every little thing that's gone wrong, something has gone right. 
they're hoping for Bauer that he'll be able to pitch. You know, he says he's available for every single game in the World Series, which is just in his nature to say that. Uh, but they're going to monitor that finger, and hopefully it's not dripping on the mound um, you know, like it was in the ALCS. So they're going to monitor that. They're monitoring Salazar now. Maybe he's going to be an option. He just threw a three-inning simulated game um, and looked good, came out of it well, and we'll find out you know, today if he's going to be a realistic option for this roster. So it's going to be interesting. Those are a lot of things that we're working against the Indians, but maybe they're lining up a little better for this series. Obviously, a, a big difference maker for the Indians with that rotation in, in disarray has been Andrew Miller. Right. Uh, comes out of the bullpen in high leverage spots, throws multiple innings, can face lefties, righties, whoever. Uh, he's been doing that since they acquired him at the trade deadline. You talk about a, a midseason move. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they get overrated. This one is not overrated. This guy changed their season. Yeah, it's interesting because between his salary cost and the cost of players they gave up, it was not a move that Cleveland would have made in recent years. And I think the team deserves a lot of credit for, for going out and doing that. And when we asked team owner Paul Dolan about that fact, he said, hey, years from now we might look at some of those guys we gave up and say, you know, why did we trade those guys? And then we'll look at all the trophies we have and we'll realize that's why we traded them. He's been, Andrew Miller's been an absolute uh, difference maker, a force, whatever you want to call it. And that's why if Salazar can only go four innings, it, maybe that's okay because they have Miller in this bullpen who can shorten up games. We've seen it with healthy starters who are getting pulled in the fifth inning because they have the length between Miller and some of those guys with the day off uh, between games and things like that where they can leverage those arms. And it's been an absolute difference maker in this postseason. Kerry, I think the Yankees had a pretty good bullpen at the start of the year because they had Andrew Miller and this guy, Araldus Chapman. Uh, the Cubs acquired Chapman at the deadline from the Yankees and another difference maker. He was the guy they needed, basically. They needed a more uh, uh, viable left-handed option back there and talk about a viable left-handed yeah. option. I think I, I'm not even sure if it was a viable left-handed option. I think they really just wanted that surefire closer. Right. Last year in the LCS, uh, Familia just shut them down, and I think they learned a lot from that. I call it the Familia factor, that, <laughs> that they needed somebody that could do that for them. And as, as good as Hector Rondon has, had been as a closer, he wasn't that guy. You know, that when he comes on the mound, it's the batters sort of cringe a little bit. Uh, Chapman can do that. It's been really fun at Wrigley to watch, and actually it was fun in L.A. too, because as soon as he throws a pitch, boom, it flashes up on the scoreboard 103, 102, and the crowd always gets that little ooh-ah type moment. But uh, he's been very effective. I think he would prefer a clean inning to come in, so that would be something to watch during the series is if Joe has to use him in a, when there are runners on. I know, I know Chapman would prefer not to, so I, that's something to kind of keep an eye on. And, uh, you know, Jordan was talking about Danny Salazar potentially pitching in this series, and Kyle Schwarber is a potential option in this series. Uh, we don't know as we record this if right. he'll be on the roster, but right. certainly looms as a potential DH weapon here in Cleveland. He uh, has really, he's really thrived in the state of Ohio last year. He made his major league debut here and uh, went crazy in an interleague game, uh, did well in Cincinnati. And so somehow, because he's from Ohio, maybe that's why, but he, he could be a very interesting element off the bench or as a DH. I'm not, I don't know, I'm, I, I know they're really trying to weigh whether or not he's had enough at bats, whether he has the timing, whether, he's, whether it's a good idea. I, the knee is fine. I've seen the guy doing his drills and the, the knee is in really good shape, but he'd, he'd be a very interesting option as DH. All right, should be a fascinating World Series and Got two likable teams, two likable managers, two likable beat reporters. Exactly. And two <laughs> incredibly long droughts, one of which will end. We'll see how it goes. Thanks for tuning in.
MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.